Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Enger, today with my fabulous co-host. Hey, guys. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So we're chatting it up with some of our glam girls kind of through our group me messaging system that we have. And I got the impression that some people wanted to hear the rest of the questions. So yeah, if that's not the case, sorry for your luck. We're doing part two of the Q and A <laughs> today. So um, these are good though. Yeah. I really like these questions. Yeah. I always like these kind of um, dialogues because they don't necessarily facilitate a full podcast, but mm-hmm. they're usually questions that pop up from many different, not only just listeners, but clients and, and things like that. So I think it's always good to talk about some of the nuances as things are always changing too in our industry and absolutely um, and things like that. But first, uh, do you want to share with the audience about your last seven days or how your prep's going? Any of the above? Oh yeah. Okay. Last seven days. Um, I think I've actually had a pretty like mild week, which rarely ever happens. Um, we're like, getting all ready to pack up and go to New Jersey. Um, We're actually going to be there for a week. Um, TC is judging at a competition and then we will be at universe. So excited. Um, So yeah, this week has been a lot of just like preparation, uh, making sure that we got all of our ducks in a row so that we can be there for our clients and efficient on our travel. So nothing super exciting in my end. How about you, Amy? Yeah, and just to clarify for the listeners, um, when she says judging a competition, she means powerlifting. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, and then we're going to NPC Universe, which is a national competition um, in New Jersey. And there we have some masters competitors. We have some open competitors competing. Uh, both of us do. And then Coach Drea and Co- um, also has competitor as well. So we'll be working both sides of the open class and the masters. Um, but yeah, for me, I have had a really good week and I was in Omaha for the majority of it, living out the prep life. I, Mm. I always try to book a a hotel with a kitchen. So we were there from Wednesday to Sunday and, uh, for my son's baseball tournament. And it's just always a good practice. I packed up a bunch of, I didn't really have time to like measure stuff out, but since we were driving, I just brought my food scale. I brought a bag mm-hmm. of uh, lean ground beef because that's hard to find at stores. Um, yeah. And then I brought my protein powder and some oats. And um, when we got there, we went grocery shopping. Like there was actually a grocery store connected to this Element Hotel, which was so crazy. It was on Whoa. the second floor. Um, so got eggs and things like that. But just word to the wise, if you are traveling and you're like me where you like to make protein ice cream, if you're driving, bring your nice blender because not every hotel has a blender. So, oh yeah, um, I I usually have my protein ice cream every day, and that's just a treat for me. So, we had to actually go out and get like a little uh, cheapo one from Walmart, but nice. Um, it was worth it. I stayed on my diet, and then um, we went to several dinners out as you know all the families and the team and everything. And so I just brought my cooler. And a lot of times I just ordered a plain salad with lettuce three times, in fact. Um, and I just threw my protein on top of it. And, I mean, 
I was at like a bowling alley. I did that. I was at a nice restaurant, sit down one. I was at a pizza buffet and I just stayed on plan the whole time. Um, so yeah, everybody, Good for you. the moms were asking me, they're like, you eat a lot of protein, huh? Uh, <laughs> they were just asking me questions about it. Um, but anyway, it was, it's fun to kind of, I don't know, talk about those things. And, um, I just like being able to work out on the road to, to try different gyms. There was a Genesis fitness place right on the backside of the hotel. So I just got a three day pass and I actually nice. got in really good lifts. Um, there was also a hotel gym, but you know how those go. There wasn't even, mm -hmm. a, it was just a bunch of dumbbells and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, those are some things, some hacks, life hacks for road life. Um, I was talking to a competitor too about she's uh, flying to Portugal and we were just chatting about like proteins and yeah. traveling and you just really have to, if you're going domestic, it's so easy to travel with all of your food. Honestly, mm -hmm. you can just freeze everything, put it in a check bag. You can carry it on in your cooler as long as your ice packs are frozen solid. And if you have TSA pre-check, you don't even have to put it out on the tray. You can just go right through. Um, but there's no excuse. Traveling shouldn't be a reason why you have to take a break from your diet or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, I was just telling her to like look into what the country allows because different countries allow different things and to just plan on just as a backup, you know, have a kitchen so that you can kind of do your research. So any of you traveling, I know things are really uh, opening up and everybody's wanting to explore and do things now that, you know, we've spent two years of not traveling. So mm -hmm. <laughs> just some tips yeah. there. That's so interesting. I never knew that about like, you can figure out which countries allow um, what foods. Yeah. And the only thing domestically, the only state that doesn't allow you to fly in um, and it's really strange. It's, cooked meat only so you have to cook the meat and you can fly that into Hawaii but you cannot huh. bring any sorts of fruits or vegetables um, they're very strict about that so that's the only state in the United Got States it. that has restrictions but yeah each country has like different stipulations I remember with Spain I was allowed to bring stuff and um, Italy no and Mexico is a no so you just kind of have to do your homework all right. Adapt. So yeah. let's get down to the first question. And um, I thought this was a good one. So if you're a person that has taken a break from training and your diet for an extended period of time, what should you, you prioritize to get started again? So should it be a cut, a bulk, or a recomposition? And I know my answer to that. Um, I don't think there's necessarily a right answer to this but mm -hmm. do you want me to share my opinion or do you want to go with that one first um I'll go first okay yeah because I I think that we're going to be on the same page mm -hmm. I definitely think it depends on the person and their physique I can say from personal experience um like getting back on track I needed uh like small changes so that I didn't feel like I was going to like black and white and facilitating uh, like being off track and then being in a harsh dieting season. So 
actually a recomp type of plan was really good for me. Um, Amy did a great job of like setting that up so that we were starting to um, focus on like macro counting, hitting a protein goal. And then it very easily, we've talked on the podcast too about like doing a matador and then incorporating refeeds. Like there's, but those were all efforts in a recomposition goal for me. And I thought that was like a really nice way to kind of like bring me back into the prep life when I had some time off. If I had gone strictly into like a cutting season, I think I would have felt too overwhelmed. And if I had been in a bulking season, um, I just don't think that would have been necessary uh, to put on more weight if I was already feeling like I had, I needed to lose some. So um, we always can like uh, appreciate putting on muscle and dropping some body fat. And so uh, recomp was the way for me. So yeah, what was your opinion, Amy? Yeah, I would say for bikini competitors, especially the recomposition is the optimal. So I like to call it a lean gain. I don't ever like to even do a bulk period when it comes to women's uh, physiques. I just don't think it's necessary to put on a bunch of fat uh, to try to gain some muscle. By the time Mm -hmm. you have to diet that fat off, you lose the muscle that you maybe have gained in exchange. So recomposition is the way to go for sure so in your example like you said you did a beautiful recomp you've gained six pounds of muscle and probably have (laughs) lost eight pounds of fat because you're or maybe even more maybe 10 pounds of fat at this point yeah yeah I was 149 yeah like um yeah 10 11 pounds of fat yeah yep yeah because you kind of just have been trading out on a scale and now now it's kind of at that point where it's going down. So, um, yeah, that's the optimal thing to do. You definitely don't want to start out with a cut. Um, I don't believe that that would be optimal. Um, mm-hmm. With a male, maybe, you know, they would want to do some sort of bulking situation if they are just really ectomorphic and a really hard gainer. Yeah. And they've taken, maybe they were injured or something or were ill that would be the only time that I could see that uh, circumstance. But yeah, for for bikini, the, the winner, winner, chicken dinner answer is <laughs> recomposition there. Yes, so, ma'am. Okay. And then the next one is, should bikini competitors train their abs? Um, and the answer is... Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I feel like we need a buzzer. <laughs> um, so my personal opinion is, yes, you want to train your abs. I feel like um, more and more we're seeing like nice etched abdominals on stage. So I think that training your abdominals is not only good for like your functionality as a human being, it is um, part of the look for bikini on stage. You don't have to have like a ripped crazy six packs, but again, like some of that etching. And I do think people make the mistake of training their obliques. Um, so like doing a lot of exercises that train just like the rectus abdominis and you're just in one plane versus like doing rotation, Russian twists, um, oblique bends, side planks. Um, because for bikini, we want like a small waist to emphasize the hourglass and how we train our abs will really affect how the waistline looks. Yeah, and I think this is 
evolved. So just to give you my history of the sport, I've been around it for about 12 years ish. And my first year as a figure competitor, um, well, first of all, throughout my whole life, I've always wanted a six pack and I would do like a thousand crunches a day thinking that (laughs) that would give me really great abs. But then I realized that (laughs) when I did my competition, it's really a lot about the diet, but, um, because I had done so many crunches throughout my, uh, (laughs) life, basically (laughs) I had a lot of muscle, um, conditioning and uh basically strength i mean it is a muscle and you can train it you just like any other body part when you train it it um you know it gives you definition in that area Mm -hmm. so if you have body fat that's covering it up it's obviously you're not going to see that six pack so when i did figure i used to do all kinds of like um oh they were torturous so even though I was into the abs, when I did figure, I had to do like the, on the cable crossover, I would have to hook my legs underneath like a bar and tuck my knees into my chest, oh, yeah. weighted. And then I would have to do um, weighted um, cable crunches to um, like for my upper abs. And so I really had to do a lot of resistance because in figure, you really need the hard six pack you know, Mm -hmm. it's okay to have vascularity striations in bikini back then, especially it was, they were looking for more of a softer look. So, you know, that was when the ever popular like waist training came about and, Mm -hmm. um, kind of atrophying the core, which the main Mm -hmm. part of that now that we do, the reason why we do that is to still keep the obliques from expanding when we're picking up Mm -hmm. weights and, uh, just in our day-to-day movements, uh, we're always engaging our core. So now uh, I think that bikini has, if you take a figure competitor from back when I competed and look at a bikini p- competitor now, the bikini competitor probably looks like they have more muscle. Um, mm, yep. So so the look has changed a lot. And as a judge, I think anymore you need a really hard six-pack to sell your conditioning along with, you know, that V taper and the glutes and stuff like that. So, um, I think we've kind of come back to that training. The abdominal muscles is super important. And, uh, along with the rectus abdominis, like you mentioned, which is the top of the six pack. I also think that the transverse abdominis is equally as important. So the lower part of the Mm -hmm. abdomen, uh, we get a lot of that, um, core tightening, by doing our ab vacuums, but you can also get that area to um, come in as well. Um, you can try those knee tucks. <laughs> that's, yes. a, that's a good way. Um, you can do different things like leg lifts and uh, if you want to get that lower part, but you don't want things to bow out. You want them to, you want to pull into your spine. So just be careful uh, when you train your rectus and your transverse abdominis as well. So there's yes. definitely a, a science to <laughs> training the abs when it comes to physique competitions. Well said. Yeah. Okay. So how do you maintain the size of your glutes during a lean out phase? Uh, so I think prioritizing a couple things while you're in a calorie deficit, like your protein. So uh, making sure that you have plenty of um, protein within your diet to help 
you know, uh, maintain muscle mass or, you know, maybe gain a little bit of muscle tissue um, is important. I do think like doing, if you listen to last podcast about intentional resistance training on that muscle group, that helps as well. I think when, if you are a competitor that you're on like lower carbohydrates and a dieting phase, I think all of our muscles will like become a little bit of, they'll become a little flat if we're losing glycogen stores. Um, so if we have less carbohydrates stored in our muscle, they won't look as like full and plump, but that's the point of like having a strategic peak so that when you do step on stage, you have the leanness of your body composition with your body fat being low and you have the fullness of your muscles as well. So, um, definitely you should continue to train your glutes in a deficit to keep size, but it does require like attention to certain factors in my opinion. Yeah, I think I agree obviously with everything you said, but additional items that I would add to that would be progressive overload is super important throughout. Mm -hmm. So you're challenging your growth by, you know, increasing either your weights, uh, your time under tension, your intensity, Mm -hmm. always, you know, factoring in that you're going to push the limit with your glutes so that they're getting isolated and that they are continuing to develop would be super important. Um, and then the other factor, so you mentioned nutrition, which is super important, but there's a piece on the cardio that I, I wanted to add. So if you're doing a lot of steady state cardio, you're likely going to lose some size in your glutes because that's Mm -hmm. a strategy to bring muscle atrophy on and catabolism to the muscle. So, you know, if you're doing a lot of steady state cardio, you're probably going to break down a lot of that tissue. Yeah. In reality. So. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. So the next one is, is there a difference in muscle growth? if a person is drinking their protein versus eating it? What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, so I don't know that there's a difference between muscle growth. Um, I think the main difference between eating like a whole protein source and a protein powder is satiety, um, the timing of your body being able to break down and utilize those amino acids. But um, I wouldn't say that there's like a direct correlation that like you have to eat chicken to be able to facilitate muscle growth over like a protein powder. I mean, as long as your protein powder has the, the, all of the essential amino acids, you're getting the same amino profile from like a whole food. That's just my, my personal opinion. What would you say, Amy? Yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point with the protein. So if you're, so if this person asking the question is talking about drinking a vegan protein powder, which is mm-hmm. a not, com- it's not a complete protein, right? It doesn't have all mm-hmm. nine essential amino acids. Likely one is going to be missing from that profile, if not yeah. more. Um, then in that case, yeah, eating your protein would from a complete source would be more beneficial. However, yeah. again, if you're eating seitan, um, yeah. again, it's a, a plant-based protein, so it's not going to be a complete source. So if this person is asking like a casein or a whey protein, versus like you said, a chicken breast or an egg white or whatever that may be. Um, Really, there's no difference in the protein bolus. I do believe that whey protein 
shuttles quickly to the muscles post-workout. Mm -hmm. Casein is a little bit slower to digest. But all in all, it comes down to total grams for the day of protein that you're consuming in terms of muscle growth. So, you know, if you're doing a recomposition like Chris's, you're going to want a little bit more than just uh, one gram of protein per pound of body weight um, for growth. So you're factoring in how many grams of protein your body needs for that um, particular phase of the journey. And then the other thing is the only thing that that really stands out to me, and this is why I ask competitors to try to limit it in the last eight weeks of their prep from a metabolic standpoint, is that Mm -hmm. the thermic effect of food is really critical when it comes to a processed food, which protein powder is processed. So your body's not going to have to work as hard to digest it. It's basically already packaged up and ready to go versus a chicken breast, which is going to expend a lot of energy just to break it down. Protein Mm -hmm. in general is actually the highest um, energy expenditure for digestion. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, I don't don't know if I remember this correctly, but I want to say it's like 10% or something like that. Does that sound right? Hmm. I don't remember that. I have a horrible number memory. (laughs) Okay. So carbs are like they take like four to five percent and then fats are like a zero when it comes to the thermic effect of food i want to say protein i know protein is the highest i want to say it's closer to 10 percent. yeah so yeah. your metabolic rate will actually increase by eating the chicken breast versus the protein powder so if you're looking to lean out if you're in the last eight weeks of a contest prep you're going to want to maximize every bit You know, it's not a huge amount when we're looking at the pyramid or the hierarchy of needs. You're not going to get like a huge dip in the bucket of your deficit by factoring in the thermic effect of food. The the process of digestion versus like a protein powder and a chicken breast. It's not a ton, but when you're doing everything right, it does make a difference. And then, like you said, another benefit is that it does make you more satisfied to have the whole food um yeah so it to me it's a double benefit especially if you're in a dieting phase agreed absolutely yeah and if you're a hard gainer and you just have a hard time getting down food which uh sorry about your problem because i don't know what that's like (laughs) (laughs) um so if you can't get down your food then protein powders are probably better for you um, because you don't like volume and you have a hard time getting all of those macros and you macronator, macronator jerks. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, it's a blessing. <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm sure they think it's a curse, but, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So next question, is it possible to gain muscle in a calorie deficit? So my answer would be yes. Um, I think that it's going to be much slower and more difficult, but I think the main things that we've already kind of covered once need to be prioritized in a deficit, making sure you're doing your progressive overloading, overload training, and you're hitting, hitting your accurate protein goal. Um, I think for the most part, a lot of us are maintaining our muscle in our deficit. That's our like 
our aim because we're truly really trying to like focus on body composition but i don't think that you could necessarily say that you can't gain muscle i think it's just a little bit more difficult than if maybe you're you're training in a surplus what what was your what's your opinion amy yeah i i like to follow dr bill campbell and we've had him on the podcast so our listeners are probably Mm -hmm. familiar with him he's very good with the research end of things and what research he's found is that it actually is possible to gain muscle. Uh, the study that he pointed out was obese males. Like, obviously, if somebody's undertrained or they haven't ever trained before and they're putting a, a strength training stimulus, they're overweight, they're going to have a, you know, they're going to be in a deficit if they're at like a 300-pound male. They're going right. to easily gain some muscle um, yeah. if they've never lifted before and they're in a calorie deficit. Now, he even found a couple of examples where like figure competitors had actually gained muscle. Um, I think with competitors too, a big factor is probably if they're on any type of gear. Um, so performance sure. enhancers, yep. uh, it's obviously a lot easier to gain muscle in a calorie deficit if you're on uh, PEDs. So right. if you're a natural athlete, unfortunately, like the majority of the population is probably going to lose muscle in a calorie deficit. It's just the name of the game. It usually yeah. happens. Uh, you'd probably be a very rare outlier exception if you didn't lose a little bit of muscle in a deficit is kind of what the research side of things show. But mm-hmm. but it definitely, there are some cases that it happens. Like it's not a non-existent thing, but it's more sure. the exception uh, than the rule. Yeah. Okay. So the last one is, is it okay to train fasted? So I think this is person dependent. Um, I think that there's been, you know, I think being, having food in your system to be able to help fuel your workout, having some protein prior for um, your, you know, protein synthesis and putting on your muscle tissue. I think there's a definitely a benefit to having food before your weight training session. I know some people just feel like really sluggish if they eat before their weight training session. They're used to getting up at like four in the morning and just going and hitting the gym and busting out a workout. Um, I think it's again, dependent on if you're a natural athlete or you're an assisted athlete on the benefit that you'll get from food prior to your workout. So Unfortunately, my answer is that it is dependent on the individual. I don't have like a hard and fast answer here. Um, What's been your experience, Amy? Well, for muscle protein synthesis to turn on, you have to have that protein bolus before you you lift. So, um, I mean, it's 100% uh, suboptimal to train fasted, like 100%. Now, I understand there's people that, like you said, have a lifestyle that they cannot um really get a meal in that early and they have to get it in before work in those rare cases that if that's what they absolutely have to do i encourage them to drink at least a protein shake on the way to the gym or get some sort of protein bolus in so that uh you know muscle protein synthesis turns on Uh, otherwise that you know it's it's going to be hard to build muscle without those nine essential amino acids so the second best solution uh again it's not optimal but doing an anabolic bridge which is a pill form of the nine essential amino acids so eaas 
in the pill form from first form mm-hmm. or you can get the powder that is EAAs. It has nine essential amino acids as well. Those are the best ways to just, I mean, in that sense, at least it protects your, your muscle from breaking down. Mm-hmm. But if we go back to the way back when, when we talked about muscle protein synthesis and we talked about Wreck-It Ralph and protein degradation, your, your muscles are going to be in a catabolic state if you don't turn on muscle protein synthesis. You need Fix-It Felix to build up the wall with bricks, right? And he can't yeah. get moving if he doesn't have protein. So um, you're going to find that Wreck-It Ralph's going to win the game on that one if you, if you don't have the protein pre-workout. Yeah. So. I've been enjoying before my workouts because I've been like, I have like a whole new morning routine. I'm so excited about it. But I'll get up, I'll, we have a, a barn on the property, but I'll like go out to the barn, walk on the treadmill and just like get some cardio in so I'll be able to wake up and then I'll come back and make a uh, drink. I'll use some iced coffee and protein powder and blend it up in the like bullet blender cup and drink that on the way to gym. So I've at that point I've been awake for a little bit. So caffeine is like good timing. I'm getting that in before my workout. I'm getting in the protein and usually I'll have like a a serving of carbohydrates, whether it's like rice cakes, something that I can consume easily. That'll be good on my digestive system and then helps me train. And then I'll, I'll I'll do my post-workout after, but yeah, that's been a really nice morning protein routine for me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when we did that analogy way back when uh, we talked about throwing Wreck-It Ralph some carbs, so he slows down. So that can slow down the protein degradation. And then uh, the leucine, which is, you know, one of the amino acids, that's like the coffee. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's like a good visual. But I think, too, the cardio was a good um, thing that you mentioned that because it's 100% okay to do your cardio fasted. That's, there's mm. not, a, you know, that's not going to be as detrimental because yeah. that it's that muscle protein synthesis that you need to turn on. So when you're doing cardio, right. it doesn't really matter. Um, right. so you can do it fasted or fed. I would recommend if you're doing hit to do it fed. Uh, yeah. Good point. State, it's fine. Fasted. It's really, yeah. I mean, the, there's three major studies about fasted cardio and really it's, it doesn't point to one being superior to the other fasted or fit. Yep. So, yeah, exactly. Good point. Well, that just wraps it up right there. That was our last <laughs> question and it's 30 minutes. I promise I did not like, I don't know how we did that. <laughs> we got that it was right perfect. The nose. So, um, if you would like to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. We really get all of these ideas and information and feedback from our Instagram DMs or sometimes, you know, just from your comments on our posts. And we would love it if you would share on your story. So please tag us. And the best part of all of that, if you appreciate what you heard today or if you appreciate the podcast at all, uh, please pay it forward to another person by rating or giving us a review. That just helps other people find us that are interested in similar topics in the sport of bodybuilding. And that's your only payment for listening to the show. So this is 
your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Inger, signing off with my fabulous co-host. And this is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. Thanks for listening, guys.